When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now premiering on the Studio DNA Network, Sif Pop Writer's Room, a new show consisting of the writers of SifPop.com. On a rotating basis, we'll be discussing some classic movies we're watching for the first time, some comic book movies, some nostalgic movies, and what TV shows we're currently watching. But each week, we'll also be taking a look at the movies that are coming out soon and give our thoughts on how we think they will turn out. If you love movies, Sif Pop Writer's Room is the place to be. So come on in and we will pull up a chair for you. Do you like sports? Cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. Welcome to Sports Yak. It's the podcast where he, Chuck, knows a lot about sports. Me, Corey, not, not a lot. This is episode 248. Oh, you mean the Goose Goslin episode? Goose Goslin? Goose Goslin, terrific outfielder with the Washington Senators, St. Louis Browns, and Detroit Tigers back in the 20s and 30s. He hit 248 home runs during his big league career. Got the nickname Goose because, well, he wasn't the best fielding outfielder and sometimes looked like a goose waving his arms going after a fly ball. Terrific arm in the outfield, though. Terrific hitter. He's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Corey, he's Goose Goslin. I've threatened this many times. We have to do like a top 10 sports nicknames of all time list sometime. Well, I think we have to go back and look at some of the people that we've honored with the dedications yes. over this show. There have been some great ones. Heine Manouche. Heine Manouche is one of my all-time personal favorites. Goose Goslin. Is there a two-fingers Magooch? Three-finger Brown. Yes. Mordecai <laughs> Three-finger Brown was recently. <laughs> We've had some legends. Family Broadcasting Corporation. Well, the crowd's going wild. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever! It's not often I get to say this, so I'm going to roll it out first. The Chicago Bears are number one. In the NFC North right now, they're in first place by half a game over the Green Bay Packers after the Bears won yesterday 23-16, and the Packers were smoked by Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, let's focus on the Bears because they won this game with defense yesterday. They have told us all year that they have an elite defense, and they finally, I thought, played like it for the most part yesterday. Yes, Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers moved the ball up and down the field, but when it got down into the red zone, the Bears' defense really did a heck of a good job, only allowing one touchdown, and Nick Foles is not spectacular, he's not flashy, but he's steady, and he makes some throws when you need them. 
and the Bears wind up winning that game by a count of 23-16. Still have some problems with Matt Nagy's play calling. Still have some problems with Matt Nagy's clock management. Underrated or overrated, Coach Pagano on the defense? Overrated. Oh. Yeah, I think so. I I don't think that this defense has played elite most of the season. Uh, but yesterday they came up, they forced three turnovers, and the Bears are 5-1. and one. They haven't beat anybody that you say, wow, that's impressive. I suppose the win over Tampa Bay is their most impressive one so far. Yeah, I mean, for a 5-1 and one team, they're not the best-looking 5-1 no, team you've ever they, seen. They've beaten Detroit, Atlanta, Carolina. Now, they're beating the teams that they should beat. Yes. But, and it's not their fault that they're in a division where there's really only one other good team, and that's Green Bay. So, they'll play the Packers a couple of times late in the year, and we'll see what happens there. The Packers, as I mentioned, Tom Brady had a field day yesterday against that Packer defense. Aaron Rodgers did not. Aaron Rodgers threw a pick six that turned the game around. Packers had a 10-0 lead. All of a sudden, they found themselves down 38-10. And so Green Bay, now 4-1, suffers its first loss of the year. The Colts had the comeback of the day yesterday. All I'm seeing on my Twitter feed as I'm watching the Bears is Colts fans grousing. And I checked the score, and it's 21-0 Cincinnati. Joe Burrow is just picking apart the Colts' defense. And the Colts fans are griping and complaining. And, you know, and, and you can't blame them because we've heard all along and we've seen all along that the Colts' defense is really what this team is built on. Mm-hmm. And they're getting blown up by a rookie. So here comes Phillip Rivers to the rescue. In the second quarter, he threw for 253 yards. They get 21 on the board in the second quarter and close the margin to three by halftime. It's 24-21. And they come all the way back and they win it 31-27. So the Colts give the Colts defense some credit after being down 21-0 fairly early in the second. They only gave up six points the rest of the way to the Bengals and let their team get back in the game. And so now Indianapolis is 4-2. and two. The problem is they're in the same division as Tennessee, and Tennessee is 5-0 and oh right now. My wife and I were at Wings, and so we had multiple TVs yeah. to watch. I don't know if you notice this or not. I only do because I'm a comic book nerd, but some of the graphics on, was that a Fox game yesterday, the, uh, the Colts game? Yes, I believe so. They, they show their players with a little graphic, and they've comic bookized them. So they had Joe Burrow on the screen getting ready, but they had his graphic. They've taken some creative freedoms with the guns, I noticed. Oh, sure. It was like, oh, okay. He is a quarterback. He's not going to look that way. Right. But, uh, yeah. It's a great comeback. No, That's it's cool. a huge comeback for the Colts. They're, the difference between being 4-2 and two and 3-3, three and three, yes, I know it's only one game, but I think psychologically it's huge. Four and two, you're sitting there. You've got a winning record. You're winning two out of every three. Three and three, you're just a, you're just another five hundred team. Mm-hmm. So even the Lions pick up a win yesterday. How DeAndre about that? Swift with a big day running the ball. Of course, they played Jacksonville, 
which meant I didn't pay attention. <laughs> but the Lions win 34-16, so they're not 2-3 and three on the year. Not looking all that terrible. Pretty decent day for Matthew Stafford. And you look at the NFL right now. I've got this poll question up on the 46 Sports Twitter page. There are three undefeated teams in the NFL right now. And I asked, which of these N- which of these teams is going to win the Super Bowl, or will it be somebody else? Pittsburgh, Tennessee, and Seattle. I mean, they're all impressive, undefeated. Pittsburgh plays Tennessee this weekend. Pittsburgh, of course, with Chase Claypool, who scores yet another touchdown yesterday. And uh, Pat McAfee, the former Colts punter who uh, makes a lot of outlandish comments sometimes. Uh, says, uh, breaking, Chase Claypool is good at football. (laughs) And he would be right about that. The Steelers looked very impressive yesterday uh, beating Cleveland, which is something they do on a regular basis. Tennessee, though, I'm, I'm as impressed with this team as anybody. They come off of that COVID break. They come out on a Tuesday night. They beat an undefeated Buffalo team. They have to turn around and play on Sunday against Deshaun Watson and the Texans. The game goes overtime. Now, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the NFL overtime rules, Corey, but in the NFL in overtime, if a team who gets the ball first scores a touchdown, the game is over. The other team does not have a chance to get the so ball. So it all comes down to the flip of the coin. comes down to the flip of the coin. If you can hold the team that gets the ball first to a field goal, then you get the ball back and can go down and eat and try to score a touchdown or at least get a field goal to match them, and the game goes on. Touchdown, game over, field goal, you get to play. Right. Okay. So they go off for the coin flip, and Tennessee wins the coin flip. And Deshaun Watson was the captain out there for Houston, and he just his body language was like a giant eye roll, like, oh, crap. Crap, this is done. And he was right because Tennessee has that guy, Derrick Henry, who we talked about last week. Corey, you said you you weren't that familiar with Derrick Henry. Do you remember the 2012 National Championship game between Alabama and Notre Dame? I do. And do you remember the running back <laughs> that just pretty much plowed over Notre Dame players? That was Derrick Henry. And he's still doing that. And he plowed into the end zone for the touchdown, and Tennessee beats Houston. So to win two NFL games in five days, that's pretty impressive. And Tennessee is sitting there undefeated. Seattle had a bye this week, so they're sitting there undefeated. Good at Monday night game, by the way, tonight. Chiefs and Bills. That's the 5 o'clock game. So you could actually watch that one on Fox. Now, isn't there a little drama attached to this one? Well, Am I thinking of the wrong player? Did somebody leave the Bills to go to the Chiefs? No, you're thinking of Le'Veon Bell who left the Jets to go to the Chiefs. Okay. Different New York City. Yes. Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. But uh, you've got Josh Allen for the Bills, Patrick Mahomes for the Chiefs. That's some good dinner hour viewing. It is. Then here comes uh, Arizona and Dallas at 8.15. Yeah, it doesn't do too much for me. But, yeah, you've got that for the for the second game. Or as so, I like to call that bedtime. Yeah. Notre Dame football played Saturday, Corey. Wow. On a very windy day at the stadium. Let me tell you, it wasn't a whole lot of fun up on the ninth floor of the stadium 
outdoors for the pregame show. A little, little bit of a swirl where you I, were at. It felt like a Walenda out there. <laughs> um, but we uh, we stayed upright. We did the pregame show. We came back. And I've never been more wrong about a football game than I was on this one. I, and to be honest, every other predictor that I saw was calling for a high-scoring game. Louisville's defense had been awful throughout their first few games. Notre Dame's defense had not played well in the game against Florida State. We were looking for a high-scoring game. And, of course, it wound up being 12-7. 12-7. I was not ready for this version of Notre Dame to show up Saturday. Well, I'm not sure they did. Now, the defense showed up. you got to give the defense credit. They shut down a Louisville offense that had been racking up points. But you also have to give Louisville credit, too. They threw the kitchen sink at Ian Book, and he did not always respond well. I thought he had problems picking up blitzes. I thought he missed some open receivers. That said, he also made some plays in the fourth quarter when the game was on the line and Notre Dame's trying to kill the clock. He made a couple of big-time throws, and, of course, he made the touchdown run to give him the lead in the third quarter. So it's a it's a mixed bag on Ian Book. We continue to hear from Brian Kelly. He wins. You know, I don't care what your evaluation of him is. He wins. Mm-hmm. And we kind of say the same thing about Nick Foles with the Bears. It's not pretty. He's not sparkly and shiny. But he wins. How many wins in the stadium? Like 22 in a row now? 22 in a row at the stadium. They do not lose to unranked teams, even though they came close on Saturday. But here's the thing. The legacy of Ian Book, and not to sound like Jamie Foxx doing Doc Rivers, it's not all, it's not all Ian's fault. <laughs> um, it isn't all Ian's fault. His receivers get no separation from defensive backs, making it really tough for him to get the ball into those windows. And he doesn't always get the best protection from this vaunted offensive line. So it's not all Ian's fault. That said, you know that Clemson is just three weeks away now. And you look at this Notre Dame football team now up to number three in the polls. And I would say that the difference between one and three seems a little bit more than just two slots right now. It seems like the Grand Canyon. Who do we have between now and Clemson? Well, I don't know who we is, but the Irish. Sorry, sorry, (laughs) sorry. Bad habit. That's okay. The Irish have to go to Pittsburgh this weekend. Pat Narduzzi's team typically plays pretty good defense, although they gave up 31 to Miami over the weekend. And then you go to Georgia Tech which was tied with Clemson at 7-7 at one point in the first quarter and then made the mistake of giving up 66 consecutive points as Clemson beat Georgia Tech on Saturday 73-7. to And that's why we say it seems like there's a little bit more than two slots between Clemson and Notre Dame right now. But there's two slots in the poll. Clemson is ranked number one. The Irish are ranked number three. Who's number two? 
Alabama. Did you watch any of Alabama Georgia's Saturday night? I wanted to, but uh, we went out with some friends. Okay. Um, Alabama. Somehow, Nick Saban got three negative COVID tests Thursday, Friday, Saturday from physicians in the state of Alabama. And somehow was deemed healthy enough to coach his team on Saturday night against Georgia. Georgia came out firing. They led at halftime 24-20, and then Alabama seemed to hit another gear defensively in the second half, had a couple of picks for the defense against the Stinson Bennett the third, and managed to come away with a 41-27 win. So number two beats number three. Georgia only dropped one spot in the polls, by the way. They only dropped to number four. But Alabama, I thought, looks the role of a playoff football team. Clemson looks the role of a playoff football team. Right now, I'd say the other two slots are wide open. And, you know, I had somebody... uh, I took North Carolina to task on Twitter the other night because they were ranked number five, and they went to Tallahassee, and that Florida State team that Notre Dame handled pretty emphatically at the stadium the week before turned around and beat number five North Carolina. And I said on Twitter, well, if you think the Irish were overrated at number four, and you may be right, uh, what do you think of North Carolina at number five? And this person's trying to come back, well, you know, Everybody's overrated right now because we haven't seen everybody. And that's right. We don't know what Ohio State looks like. We'll find out this Saturday. We don't know what Penn State looks like or Oregon or USC. And that's the problem with trying to evaluate teams right now in 2020. Speaking of Big Ten, that fires up this weekend for the first time. Yeah, and there's a little bit of a problem in West Lafayette. Uh, Speaking of COVID, Jeff Brom, the head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers, had an antigen test yesterday that came back positive for COVID. He still has to have the PCR test. The PCR test is the one where they really take that Q-tip swab and they put it back into your brain core uh, through the nostril, and then they put it into the spinning machine, and we'll see if he has a positive COVID test from that or not. If he does... The Big Ten rules are a lot different than the SEC rules. How so? Well, remember Nick Saban was able to coach. He had a positive test for COVID on Wednesday, then went negative Thursday, negative Friday, negative Saturday. Okay, you're back on the field. The Big Ten, their rule is if you have a positive test, you're on the sidelines for 14 days. Now... I don't know if that changes based on the fact, okay, was the positive test this antigen test or does it have to be the positive PCR test? Mm -hmm. That part I don't know. I assume the PCR test has something to do with it because Purdue was very quick to point out it was just an antigen test that gave him the positive. Because obviously when you can't have your head coach on the sidelines, and I don't know if the Big Ten has the same communications rules that the SEC has. Remember Friday, Corey, we talked about if Nick Saban weren't allowed on the sidelines, he wouldn't be allowed to have any communication with his coaches during the game. 
You know, he couldn't sit there on a headset in a private suite. He couldn't zoom in with somebody. There could be none of that. I don't know if the rules are the same in the Big Ten as they are the SEC. And this is part of the problem right now with college football is the conferences decide everything. There's no national governing body that says, okay, this is what we're doing. But I find it interesting that the Big Ten sat out all this time, and now as they're coming back, the COVID numbers are on the rise. Had they been playing already, they'd probably have five or six games under their belt. But it's Indiana and Penn State this Saturday, Purdue and Iowa Saturday. Both are 3.30 starts. Indiana can be heard on 103.1 FM. Purdue can be heard on 92.1 and 96.9. High school football. You asked me earlier today, how was my game Friday night? My game Friday night was not much of a contest. Marion embarrassed St. Joe and wins 49-0 in that rivalry that's called the Holy War. But that wasn't the only game Friday night that got attention. You have to look at Mishawaka uh, set up for a share of the Northern Lakes Conference title by going on the road and beating Northridge. I think the final score in that one was 41-20. Justin Fisher, the Mishawaka quarterback, runs for 296 yards and five touchdowns. Also on Friday night, Warsaw claims a share of the conference title as they beat Concord. So Bart Curtis's team rolls into the tournament with some hardware. Uh, we saw Elkhart claim a share of the division title in the NIC with a 28-7 win at New Prairie. We'll see New Prairie this Friday night on TV 46 as it opens the tournament with Plymouth. And in the South Division, congratulations, or it used to be the South. Yeah, it's still the North-South Division, I guess. Congratulations to Jimtown and Bremen as they share the division title there. So those were some of the, the notes from high school ball. Oh, by the way, Edwardsburg uh, didn't play on Friday night, so they got in the bus and went 200 miles up to play Bay City Western Wow! on Saturday, and they made it worth their time. They beat Bay City Western 61-7. to So the Eddie Express continues to steamroll teams in the state of Michigan. That's a long drive. That is. <laughs> also on uh, Friday night, congratulations to Denny Dock and Lakeshore. Big win over Battle Creek Lakeview. Tightly contested game, but the Lancers win it by seven. And so they kind of take control of the SMAC conference. All right. You ready to segue into the World Series? Yeah, great game last night between the Braves and the Dodgers. Tied up at three in the seventh when Cody Bellinger comes to the plate. Joe Davis had a great call on this, but the problem is, well, unless you see the video, you don't get the full effect because Bellinger knew this ball was gone the moment he hit it. He gave a classic bat flip and almost like a Conor McGregor-like strut down the first base line as he started his home run trot. And the Dodgers, who trailed at one time in this game by a count of two to nothing, come back and win it four to three. And they trailed in the series three games to one. They got wins Friday, Saturday, and Sunday against the Braves. And they're headed to the World Series for the third time in four years, where they'll square off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay 
took care of business against Houston Saturday night. Charlie Morton, a terrific pitching performance. And the Rays win that game seven. So the Rays, with one of the lowest payrolls in Major League Baseball, take on the Dodgers with one of the biggest payrolls in Major League Baseball. And that'll be one of the storylines as this one unfolds deep in the heart of Texas. You want to look into your crystal ball, much like you did with the NBA Finals, and give us a what you're thinking? Well, you know, in the NBA Finals, I went with L.A. in six. In the World Series, I'm going to go with L.A. in six. Okay. You heard it here first. There you go. First. All right, NASCAR, we can wrap things up. Joey Logano gets the win at NASCAR. That helps Team Penske out. Joey Logano, a Team Penske driver, by picking up the win, it keeps him alive in the NASCAR playoffs, uh, which continue to unfold. The problem with the NASCAR playoffs this year is they're, they're really up against it from a media coverage standpoint. You're running into not only NFL and college football, which you always do, but now you've got the World Series, you've had the NBA playoffs, you even had the Stanley Cup taking the focus away. Oh, by the way, in the middle of November, we'll have the Masters. Uh, NASCAR, once, I, I would say back in the 90s and the early 2000s, highly popular sport in terms of television viewing has really faded from the scene and not quite what it once was. Okay. Who do you got this Friday night? Did you mention that? New Prairie and Plymouth in the first round of the sectional. Okay. Now it's time for the segment of the show that seems to be catching popularity worldwide. <laughs> and I like to call it overrated, underrated, and so we do. And I, I have two musical artists in here, and perhaps I'll throw an athlete in as well. I have one for you, and I'm going way off the grid. Okay. Because I like to change things up for you. Matchbox 20. Oh, wow. Chuck Freebie, I'm going to go underrated. Really? I played all the hits in the 90s. That yep. was my uh, wheelhouse. Then I saw them in like 07 or 08. It was like a reunion tour because they had taken some time off from each other, and they killed it. And the song still held up. Some of the new songs were good. Rob Thomas can sing and whatnot. Now, we haven't heard from him in a while. Right. But I would say they are an under, underrated band. I think they're good stuff. I would tend to agree with you. I, I think time tends to you know, glorify things. So sometimes we think Matchbox 20 is maybe a little higher rated than what they were. Mm -hmm. But back in the day, they were just churning them out one after another and getting all kinds of play. I feel like the 90s was very cookie cutter. Like, they, somebody had a successful band. Well, we got to get other versions of this for our label. I would say you're exactly right. And, you know, so, you know, you, you throw in a Stone Temple Pilots, Pearl Jam, Bush. It all kind of started to sound the same. Who would Matchbox 20 sound like back then? I think they were kind of doing their own thing. That's what I liked about them. Yeah, kind of doing their own thing. And they fit real good into, they still had a rock radio presence to them, uh, unlike... Everybody else. Uh, I'll throw one at you. The holiday known as Halloween. Underrated or overrated? In my eyes, overrated. Yeah. I saw a skeleton in uh, a neighbor's yard that had to have been nine feet tall. Mm -hmm. And had uh, 
almost like barbed wire holding it up in case it got windy. And I thought, how much money did you pay for that thing? And what's the point? But here's the thing. I think your perception of that holiday changes as your family situation changes. Yes. Because when you've got little kids, most of us, I I realize there's some segments out there that want nothing to do with Halloween, and, and I appreciate that. But for most of us, when you've got little kids, you naturally get excited because of the excitement that they have. Yes. And then as those kids age and age out of the Halloween process, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, once you get to high school, in my mind, you're out of the Halloween process. Okay. (laughs) So once you age out of the Halloween process, your perception at least for me, begins to change. Mm-hmm. And then when you've got them all out of the Halloween process, eh, forget you're, about you're it. You're not even home that night. Now, you and I both have not reached the point yet where, okay, now you're the grandparent. Yes. Now, does that mean that Uncle Chuck isn't going to have somebody on the doorstep, you know, passing out treats? Sure, we'll do that. Here's the thing, kids. You better work for it. Okay, (laughs) you better come and you better, A, be in costume, B, say trick or treat, Mm -hmm. and C, say thank you. Okay. I would also say, uh, going back to your, uh, you know, there's segments of the audience that want nothing to do with that night. I would push back on that group and remind them that this is the single biggest night that you'll meet neighbors that you've never talked to before. That's true. And if we are going to be who we are called to be, it'd be okay if you said hi to a few people on that night. There, There's where I land on that. Now, will I be shooting it with a T-shirt cannon this year? I'm kind of hoping. That, I think that would be fun. I don't think that's a bad idea. Hold up your bucket. Let me aim for uh, the hole, and we'll see what happens. I would love to find. I had, uh, I had rules one year for our people <laughs> who were distributing Halloween candy. And I thought I had a picture of that somewhere, but I can't quite find it right now. You have some time between now and the 31st. Maybe we could do that. That's true. Uh, That'd be a high-quality tweet. Another on the overrated, underrated scale for you. Okay. The who? You know, that is one of those, uh, if you're in that fan camp, I was never a fan. Like, Mm -hmm. I like the Big Ten songs. Pinball Wizard sure. and Baba O'Reilly or whatever, but I I do not own a record, if that tells you anything about me. Okay. I do not own. So that tells me where you fall on. Over, overrated. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I just, I, and maybe I was soured by that whole trampling thing that happened at one of the, was it Cincinnati? Where that, uh, where people died at a Who concert because they got trampled under. Mm. Um, but, but is I, that their fault? No, that's not their fault. That's but like I said, I think it promotion. just soured me on them. I also remember being a very young age and asking anyone, how high do you have to be to understand the movie Tommy? Uh, you know, particularly the baked bean epi- uh, portion of the, the deal. But uh, yeah. Overrated. By the way, I've now found the trick-or-treat rules. Would oh, let's like, go back to would that. Would you like to hear them? Yes. Because I know this is going to surprise some of you, 
But sometimes Uncle Chuck gets a little salty. <laughs> and I must have been in one of those moods that year. That you I, actually concocted a list. Yeah. So here were the rules that I laid out for whoever was handling distribution. Now, this would be like in your household or this was open to everyone? Uh, this was for my household distributing. I couldn't be there that night. Oh, okay. But I wanted to make sure that I had set... The rules of the house. The rules of the house. The lord of the manor. Trick-or-treaters get one piece. Don't let them reach their snot-nosed paws in there. We're not running a free-for-all here. Hand them their piece of candy, and only if they say trick-or-treat. Make people work. This isn't some freeloaders convention. Other rules. No costume, no candy. Over 18, get lost, get a job, further your education. I need another one for so-and-so. No. When we run out of what is in those bowls, hand out individual sunflower seeds. Why? Planting the seed. Get here earlier next time. <laughs> How'd that go over? <laughs> My family thought it was genius. Has that been laminated and hung? It should be. With the fall It should be really at every house. <laughs> those should be the rules at every house. Those are good. Those are real good. Did you have one more? No. no. You, you, were, you said you might have an athlete. I, I thought about it, but I, I have you wasn't. you reeled it back in? I wasn't sure how familiar you would be. Oh, wow. All right. So, but I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out there anyway. Okay. And, and I don't know why I was thinking about tennis because, well, there wasn't any tennis over the weekend. Okay. Jimmy Connors. You remember him? Yes. I remember that name from my childhood. I think I remember him being quite a big deal back in the day. Yeah. Um, but is he now mentioned with like you? You didn't say his name at all last week when we kind of talked about the big three, the big five, and then the the other two. You you didn't mention his name at all. So if I were to go by that, I'd say overrated. You know, it, it's one of those things where I think time has done him no favors. Okay. I I think first of all, I will say this. As an on-court performer slash entertainer, I would say underrated. He brought eyes to the screen. Okay. And especially if you had one of those night matches at the U.S. Open in New York where he had the home crowd behind him as he got older, there was nothing like the vibe or excitement when Connors played. But I would say overall... I think he was superseded in his era by McEnroe, by Borg, by Yvonne Lendl. And so while Jimmy Connors was really good in the golden age of tennis, I think in some ways he's overrated. Okay. Chuck, you're on Twitter. I thought I heard you previously state that. I've mentioned that. We have a poll there, that NFL poll that's at 46 Sports. All right, we're on Twitter as well, Sports Yak with two Ks. I'm at my name is Corey. That's all one word, Chuck. That's it how is. we did that on the Twitter. Mm -hmm. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening, and as always, Ooga Luga Goose Goslin. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. Sports Yak is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.